Would you like for me to tell you a little joke? <coughs> yes? Are you laughing now? Oh well, alright then. Hello and welcome to episode 2 of season 3 of Embrace the Suck, the only official, licensed, sanctioned, sauna-enjoying podcast of the APG, bringing you the two cents worth of the free perspective on the heavy-heating lifestyle. All right, it's enough of that. I'm your host, Bill Hart, coming to you almost live, this time from Helsinki, Finland, the land of the Finns, where the decision has been made by 36-year-old President Sauli Ninisto to apply to become a member of NATO. Not her personally, but uh, no, the country of Finland, to apply to be part of NATO. And, uh, you know... Whatever you think of that, uh, NATO, and I didn't know that, uh, I had to actually look up what countries are involved in NATO. I didn't know. And it's uh, 30 or so countries. And and you're going to love this party. You tell me, you listen and you ask if you would want to go to this party. We're talking about Belgium, home of the waffle. We're talking about France, home of North Africa. Germany, home of, that's enough. All right, we'll talk about here's Bulgaria, Hungary, uh, Albania. And I think Liam Neeson might have a little something to say about that. Talking about Canada, not a real place. Have you ever been to Canada? Dude, I've been to Canada both times. I've been there like three different times. And uh, I've been stopped at the border like twice. I got pulled into secondary. Me and uh, me and a little Chinese dude with like an entire shopping cart of stuff that he was clearly aiming to sell. So me and him just standing there getting abused at the Canadian border. Not a real place. Uh, Croatia, I haven't heard, but I bet it's cool. I uh, I understand that they filmed that Game of Thrones situation there. Uh, the Czech Republic and Slovakia, which is a shame that they broke up because it was really fun to get people to try to spell Czechoslovakia. Anyway, Iceland, where I've also never been but heard it's pretty cool. Italy, Lithuania, Denmark, Estonia. Can you even find Estonia on a map? I'll bet that you cannot. Lithuania... And Latvia, Latvia, I heard a thing about Latvia during the uh, lockdown. They were talking about Latvia was a place where you could not get food or go to work or really do anything except get takeout delivered to your house if you didn't have a COVID injection. I haven't looked it up since then, so I don't know what's going on in Latvia. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's one of those little Baltic countries that uh, nobody ever hears of. No, well, you know, probably people from Latvia hear of it, but... You know, typically you don't see it in the news. Luxembourg, uh, Montenegro, I also can't find that on a map. The Netherlands, North Macedonia, I'm not sure I want to find this on a map. Uh, Poland, went there once with uh, with my dear friend Frank, where I ate dinner in a gas station, a shell gas station at like 11 o'clock at night, where they turned the lights off to save energy. Delicious Polish snacks. Also involved in uh, NATO is Norway, which I understand has a big oil situation happening. I guess they're a pretty rich country. But then I also understand that um, they've got a natural gas gas issue 
So people are actually taking cold showers in Norway. I don't recommend it. Portugal, Romania. I'll tell you something about Romania. Um, home of Vlad Tepish, better known as Vlad the Impaler, the, uh, the prototype for the Dracula stories. And uh, if you didn't know anything about Vlad Tepish, he's something of a national hero, as I understand it, in Romania. And the way that situation came up was uh, Vlad Tepish was sort of heir to a royal title. So you've heard of Dracula or Vlad Dracul. So this Dracul, Order of the Dragon, was uh, a title awarded to his father by whoever was in charge, king or duke or whatever. And um, this guy, uh, Vlad, got imprisoned in Prussia, you know, whatever they were calling these places at the time, got imprisoned for a few years, finally got out and uh, decided he would get his against the uh, the boyars, which were the uh, the uh, the banking class, the landowning class, who apparently lived under a different set of rules than the rest of the citizenry. So Vlad Tepish invites all these boyars to a feast to honor his inauguration of assuming the uh, the role of, of Duke or whatever after he got out of prison. And he says, hey, out of all you boyars, uh, how many, who here's seen the most princes and dukes and royalty come and go? And they all had a big laugh and, oh, I've been here for a lot of them. And yeah, they, they get here and then accidents happen and they die. And he says, yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, you've, you guys have all outlived all of these these figures and yet somehow you remain untouched. Well, guess what? Now this is happening. So he impaled a lot of them and then continued to have his uh, his picnic. So hence the name, Vlad the Impaler. Good times, good times. Slovenia is also a member of NATO. Uh, I don't know anything about Slovenia. I heard it's pretty cool. They got some funny polka music there, um, some good stuff. Spain, very cool if you get a chance. Turkey, I can't speak to that. Uh, UK or whatever's left of it. And of course, the United States. So you be the judge. If you were Finland, land of the Finns, would you want to be part of this party? Would you want to show up? I mean, you know, knock yourself out, I guess. I don't know if they got offered like a free set of steak knives or some kind of thing like that. Just seems like paying a steep cover charge to show up to a party where the lights are already coming on. But hey, that's just me. So moving on from Finland, land of the Finns, what are we talking about today? Today, I think that we will talk about the truth, which seems, you know, pretty straightforward, but... As it happens, harder and harder to come by. And I think it's a good time to start talking, well, to start talking, to talk at all about what actually is the truth. What constitutes the truth? How do we identify the truth, considering everything that's going on out there? And again, like we talked about last time, there is so much going on out there. There's obviously, there's the Russia and Ukraine thing. Uh, those characters are slugging out. And what I like seeing in the news is, is depending where you look, everybody says they're winning which is nice. You know, it's nice that everybody gets to be a winner. Everybody gets a trophy. I don't know why that costs us $40 billion, but hey, good good for everybody. Everybody gets to win. Um, there's the uh, promises of food shortages, which who knows? Might, it might just be the thing for the U.S., right? One of the most obese countries on the planet. You walk into Walmart and you tell me we don't need a food shortage. I also understand that uh, Ghislaine Maxwell got her sentence cut by 10 years. So I don't know if she dimed somebody out or if there was just some kind of a sweet deal that got lined up because I haven't seen or heard of anybody getting arrested in connection with any of those shenanigans. Have you? If you have, you tell me because I don't know. 
And of course, there is the COVID song and dance that persists now that Bill Gates has just tweeted out that he caught a case of McCovid, but thank God he got all those injections because now it's not nearly as bad as he's sure it probably would have been otherwise. So as injections go, and I mean, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole too far with this, but as injections go, I've got a lot of them, right? Probably one of the only things that you see in movies that's factual about, uh, about boot camp and the military is the way they have that boot camp assembly line for injections. And they got like that injection gun and you just kind of cruise along. And they just like, boom, 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 boom. And they just pump you full of, I don't know what. But uh, yeah, I mean, you get uh, you get shot up for a plague, yellow, fe- yellow fever, uh, dengue fever, anthrax, meningitis, hepatitis, rabbititis, you know, whatever they want to shoot you up with, they, they can do it because what uh, people might not be aware of is once you show up for the military, you're not a person anymore. You are property. You are government property. And I never saw it happen, but I understand that technically, if they want, they can prosecute you for getting a sunburn. If you get sunburned so bad and you can't work because you're government property and you're damaging government property. So now you're going to stand in front of the man. In any case, so I still haven't heard of somebody coming down with a mild case of yellow fever and uh, having an injection to thank for it. But hey, maybe, you know, you give Bill Gates a call. Maybe he knows something you don't know, or I don't know. Anyway, apart from that, we've got uh, we've got the inflation, which depending on where you look or who you ask, is either at a um, decade or so high or an all-time high. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you something. I went to the store the other day, and and usually when I go through, like, the produce section, I'm not looking at prices, man. If there's, like, you know, a set of bananas that I require, like, oh, it's handsome bananas. You can give me those. Um, I'm not looking at the price, you know? Because who has to price check, you know, produce, right? Since when is that expensive? But I'll tell you something. I, I wasn't paying attention, and I kicked down $13. Dollars American, 13 of them, for a bag of cherries. I mean, they're still good. They're, they're, they're delicious. I don't know that they're $13 delicious, but uh, yeah, man, it's out there. So gas prices, oil shortages, pipelines, whether they are happening or not, and I mean, that stuff is anybody's guess. And, uh, you know, the, the oil the oil question circles right back around to Russia. And the, uh, and the $64 question, I guess, in all of this is, what is the truth? So as far as the, you know, the just a couple of news items that I went through there, I mean, who the hell knows, right? What exactly is the truth? Because if you're not in the room, you probably don't know. And even if you are in the room, it's probably more confusing. Well, it's hard to say. But, um... The bigger question, you know, is, is what in general is the truth and how do you go about defining it and identifying and deciding, well, this is, this is the situation. This is what it is. These are the facts. This is the truth. And, uh, a while back when I was, when I was still in school, you know, back when buildings were made of wood, men were made of steel and ships were made of wood. I, uh, I actually came across this, this, uh, academic paper on, how the truth is generally identified, which in academia is is a little bit of a novel concept because if you ask academics, these, these smug characters, their position on it is that the truth is essentially whatever they have all decided on. And if you want to be part of their club, the idea is that you have to take what they've done and add a little corner to it or cover a little blank spot, like assist in some way. But 
You don't come up with your own. You work off of what they've done. And that way you get to be part of their club. But uh, so I get a hold of this paper and according, and I, I wish I had a copy of it. I wish I could find it. But the way they had it spelled out was that the truth basically, you know, as, as the average person accepts it, falls into one of three categories. One, it's either what we would call the field expedient. You know, it's like it's, it's pretty much just the closest guess. So it's, you know, if it's 2.29 in the afternoon and, and somebody says, hey, man, what time is it? And you go, uh, 2.30. You, you see that it's 229, but you don't say 229. You just say 230. It's not the truth, right? But it's field expedient. You know, it's, it's 230. It's 228. It's 231, 232. It's 230 for all intents and purposes, right? So that's one version. The other version is the, uh, the general consensus. So what everybody says, you know, so, hey, what time is, uh, what time is the game starting on Sunday? Ah, it's starting about, uh, it's about two o'clock is what I understand. If that's what everybody else is saying, that's what everybody in the bar is talking about, then that's what time you're going to show up because the game starts at two o'clock. And even if you show up at two o'clock and it's not actually kicking off, well, the drink special started and the, the chubby guys in suits are going to be talking to players of days gone by. And so for all intents and purposes, yeah, but it's what everybody says. And when somebody asks you two weeks from now, what time did that game start? You're going to say two o'clock. That's what everybody told you. That's what's in your head. That's what you believe to be the truth. And then lastly, one that we're all familiar with, the expert opinion. And this is essentially what the lab coats say. And everybody's probably familiar to one degree or another with that, with that study or the variety of studies where someone who is believed to be in a position of authority is, uh, you know, people will just do whatever they tell them to do. And whether they're made to believe that yeah, you're actually hurting somebody by doing this, but the, the lab coat or the uniform or whoever says, no, you keep doing what I'm telling you to do. They'll keep doing it. If you read through the details of some of these, uh, these studies, you know, there's always some debate on, well, they kind of were, but maybe they sort of knew that they weren't really hurting anybody. But my thing is always look out there in the real world, stick your head out the window, see if this makes sense. How many times, I don't think we need to even go down this rabbit hole, that like how many times has somebody who says, I am an expert in this field, and you'll believe them if they tell you it's going to rain goldfish tomorrow. Delicious goldfish, the kind you can eat, you know, while you watch a show. It's going to rain goldfish, I believe you. And you're going to believe that guy because he's wearing a lab coat. You find out later, like, this, he, that guy rented that lab coat. It's not even his. But... um the interesting thing that I that I took away from that particular paper, and I, you know, there's probably you know one or two other angles to it. You go, oh, well, you didn't talk about this, but I think this is a pretty fair summary, you know, for the for the average citizen, that this is when they say, oh, what's the truth? Ah, oh, well, it's you know, it's it's one of these three things. But what I found interesting is that nobody ever asks you. Nobody says, well, what do you think? Right? It's, it's not left to you. You're basically assumed to be an imbecile. Like you can't take the facts and figure it out for yourself. And what I think is really interesting about that is that right now, right now, the world that you live in, there is more information available to you than there has been available to people at any time in history. Even the, the wisest of wise men with, you know, with walls of books they didn't have as much access to information as you have on a day-to-day -day basis. You have faster access than in, at any time in history. Because, you know, if, you know, a, a thousand years ago, even a hundred years ago, 
you want to know the latest, greatest of, um, you know, I don't know, alchemy digest, like you're spinning straw into gold. What do you know about it? If there was some guy who knew about it, you would have to travel far and wide. You'd have to go find that person, dig that person up. It's going to take a week or two, maybe, you know, who knows how long. But right now you can, you can look it up on your own. You'll know within the hour. You'll have the latest, the greatest from people who know what they're talking about. And you can decide for yourself, well, which of these uh, differing opinions do I think is correct? And to go along with that, you have access to more experts and more raw data than at any time in history. So, you know, up till now, even if you got a chance to talk to or heard from, hey, here's, a, here's some lab coat who knows what he's talking about. He's going to interpret the data and go, I, I figure, you know, it's this. But at this point, you can, you can look up a thousand different people thousand different researchers. What, what's this person say? This person, this person, this person. What do they all say? And when you're done with that, nine times out of 10, you can get your hands on the raw data that says, here's how we arrived at these conclusions. Now, something that you might find interesting, if you go to, um, you know, if you get on the Google, again, I'm not much of a fan of, you know, Google and the information hoarding and the hustling and the, the social engineering, but a lot of the collected information is still very useful, you know, so I'll use them to their just desserts. But if you get on there and you click up in the corner there and it gives you all those little options, all those things that you never use, you know, except for like maps for when you need to get lost. If you click up there and you scroll through, you'll see uh, Google, Google, you'll see Google, you'll see Google Academic. And you get on there and you can find research papers and you can look stuff up from, you know, anytime you want if you want stuff from, you know, strictly beginning of last century, you know, I want 1905 Yale studies only, you can find that or you can find the latest greatest. So um, if you get a chance, you look at some of this stuff, something that you'll notice, especially about the psychology related stuff is when you actually take the time and read through these things, you get to a section called methods and it'll tell you how did you get the, the people that you did this study on, where did you get them from? What were, what were their age ranges? What were their genders? You know, what, what were some of, you know, it, it kind of tells you the factors of what, uh, what are some things that might have affected this study. So you can ask later. And the reason that that is important is, you know, if you say, um, Hey, we did a, we did a study on, uh, you know, horses, do people like horses? And the only place they did this study was at a ranch in Texas where people breed horses. You know, if you put that in the study. Yeah, we, we surveyed 300 cowboys and apparently every single person in America loves horses. Well, no, because look, you only ask cowboys, right? That's important. So when you look at some of these papers and you say, well, who did you ask? What you're going to see so many times is that they asked a bunch of college undergrads. So if you're asking a bunch of college undergrads anything, like one, they're not, plain and simple, they're not giving you a straight answer because either they think there's some kind of a hookup involved or I got to do this to, to reflect my, you know, my academicness, or maybe they're going to say something off the wall just to show the whole world how unique and quirky they are. And I got blue hair, so of course I only ride three-legged horses. So no. But that's something that, I, that I've always found really interesting whenever I was looking through these things, was looking at the population. Who did you ask? And that sort of leads into why there's such a huge issue with trying to replicate a lot of these studies. 
where people will reference these studies. You'll see this stuff referenced in the news. But then you say, well, has anybody ever duplicated this? Like you say, you know, 99% of people in America love horses. Okay, well, has anyone ever replicated this study and, and got the same result? Well, no. Why? Because you didn't interview, you know, 500 cowboys in a row. But yeah, if you get a chance, um, Google uh, Google Scholar, I think is what it is. It's interesting stuff. You can go down a rabbit hole, definitely kill a few hours there. But as for identifying the truth and what constitutes the truth, uh, a couple of fallacies that I've found you know, get pushed out there surrounding, you know, trying to identify what's true, what's false, what are the facts, what are not. One of my favorites is the truth is complicated, man. And I found that to be most times a deliberate lie because most times the truth is rarely complicated. It can be weird. It can be inconvenient. It can be uh, unexpected. It can be disappointing, but it's rarely complicated. You know, people are complicated. People do things that are complicated. They make things complicated, but facts of the matter are typically pretty straightforward. And as an example of this, if you think of a time, you know, maybe when you were younger, you know, a lot younger and you were about to get caught for doing something stupid, something you should have done or that you didn't do or something you didn't do that you should have, does it not always seem like it always came down to that one thing that you hope they don't ask? Like, you know, you said you were going to go, uh, you know, spend the night at your friend's house, but you actually went to this party or, yeah, I knocked out all my homework and... And now it's report card time and they're, they're, you know, your folks are asking about that one class. If I can just avoid this one thing, I'm not going to get hammered because the truth of the matter is pretty simple. Did you do your homework? Yes. Show me your grade. Ah, that's the thing. Uh, is there a way you can ask me anything else? I'm trying really hard. You know, it's, it's complicated, the situation here. No, it's not. It's not. Show, show me the papers. And moving into grown-up life, you know, something you see is that uh, you'll be told that it's, the situation is too complicated for you and, you know, you wouldn't be able to understand it, so I'm not going to bother. And really, you should just leave this to the experts. We're, we're the experts. We'll figure I'll tell you what to think. So, you know, the, the job that I have now, uh, you know, I've had the privilege of talking to a lot of experts. And when you get into minutiae of any, you know, any field of endeavor, you know, the minutiae can be very, very complicated. I mean, I've had the privilege of working with NFL teams for a good few years. And, you know, people say, you know, I've, I've said this before, but you know, when people say, oh, you know, just dumb football players, dude, if you haven't ever sat through a brief of, you know, like, here's the offensive scheme, or here's our defensive scheme, or here's how we're going to run our special teams this time around. If you haven't sat through that, I mean, it's like watching a moon launch, man. I mean, they're talking about, they're in the weeds on foot placement, on who's lining up where, on when you run this way, it's got to be here that you stop with this foot and you go that way. It's extremely complicated. But in general, when you ask a, an expert in any field, like, hey, what's this about, man? What's going on here? 99.99% of the time, they can explain it to you in very simple terms. Right. You ask a brain surgeon, what are you what are you doing over here? The guy's got something growing in his head that shouldn't be growing there. I'm just going to cut his head open and cut it out. Oh, OK. I mean, he's not going to get into it with me about the sterile technique and this part of the, the medulla oblongata. No, 
but he can explain what he's doing in simple terms. So when you hear somebody saying, you know, I'm not even going to bother with you, I'm not going to try to explain it because it's too complicated and you're too dumb, just believe what I say. Then you can know that most likely you're being lied to and you're not going to get the truth out of this person. Another of my favorites is that, uh, this is one of my favorites, well, the truth changes. And this demonstrates, uh, you know, kind of moral particularism in the person presenting it to you, that it allows people to declare as true these things that they wish were true, or they'll suggest things that, uh, you know, that might be untrue, but are nevertheless facts. And then they give you other things that might be true in fact, but have never actually taken place. And, you know, it's this, this is extremely popular, you know, and you see this, you see this get presented in a lot of arenas of late. But what you see go along with this is something called cognitive dissonance. And now you'll hear people throw this around. Oh, you're, you're experiencing dissonance. And, 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 but you, you know, and they have no idea what they're talking about. If you don't know what it is, cognitive dissonance is the, uh, the discomfort, that nagging feeling that works its way into your head when you're trying to reconcile two contradictory ideas. Right? So if a person is saying hey, you know, I'm more capable than everybody else in this room. And then in the next breath saying, hey, I need everybody else in this room to help me do my work and accomplish the things that you're all accomplishing on your own. And you say, hey, what about, how are you reconciling that you say you're more capable and yet you need everyone to do this for you? The fury you're going to get, that's cognitive dissonance when they fly off the handle like that. And like, what do you know about anything? You You don't know what I go through in a day. You don't know me. That's cognitive dissonance when those gears lock up. And that is, you know, what that's just sort of a, an uncomfortable byproduct with someone trying to bend what they wish was the truth around what is actually going on. And then probably the last of my favorites is the idea that truth is stranger than fiction. And yeah, the truth can be strange, but it can't be fiction. All right. It still has to make sense. It's such a fantastic tagline that's just got pushed into, into modern usage that a truth is stranger than fiction. It allows people to just say literally anything and then say it's the truth. You know, you say, oh, this X, Y, and Z. Well, why is, uh, you know, why is this world leader doing this, that, or the other? Why is this person that I see on a television doing these things that that, that person is doing? Ah, oh, well, he's crazy. You see, he's a madman. And that's, you know... Try not to shift too hard back to the the political ideas. In the last, you know, what, six, eight, ten years, that's something we've heard again and again, is this idea that you see somebody that's doing something that you don't agree with or you think is a bad idea or goes against your values, and what do you hear to go along with that? Oh, that person's crazy. That person's completely insane. I will tell you that putting the label of crazy, insane on something that you just happen to not like, that's a very dangerous approach because it completely turns your back to what they're doing. Because if you say crazy, you know, if we say crazy, we're talking about someone that's mentally unwell. All right. So if we say uh, Trump is crazy, Putin's crazy, anyone who doesn't see it my way is crazy. They're a madman. They're insane. No, because a madman doesn't figure out a way to stay in power over the course of years. All right. A madman uh, you know, talks to lampposts, all right? A madman thinks that they are a fire hydrant, all right? An insane person 
can't tie their own shoes, needs help going to the bathroom. That's what you see with mentally unwell. Okay. So to say someone is crazy, they're just crazy. It's dismissive of the way that things actually are. It's, it's a cheap out. Okay. So when you hear that, the best course of action really is to say, well, tell me more. I want to hear more. Because a lot of times when you're hearing, ah, that person's just crazy. There's something to it that you're not hearing. So a way to look at this all is to first ask yourself, how does this make sense? You know, what I'm seeing in front of me, because it's pretty wacky out there. I think people in any age will say, oh, these are the end times. It's crazy out there. But it's pretty wild out there right now. And some of these situations that you might run into in a day, the easiest way to try to make heads or tails of this is to say, how does this make sense? Even if it's, you know, even if it's an uncomfortable way to look at it and you say, well, if, you know, nothing else makes sense and this does, at least you know where you stand, right? But how does this fit into a bigger story in a way that makes any kind of sense? Because unlike, you know, writing a comic book or, you know, being a kindergarten or drawing pictures, the story that you come up with has to have some kind of a flow. There has to be some kind of a, oh, that's why. And an easy way to do this that, uh, that I have found was a long time ago, before I was in the Navy, I, uh, I did an EMT course. And I took something away from that that I've always kept with me. And it's this idea of ruling out a certain thing. So you'll hear, uh, you know, you'll hear doctors or EMTs use this phrase to rule out. We want to rule out you know, appendicitis, some such thing. And the way that this works is, you know, they call it confirmation bias, that when you have something that you imagine is probably the truth, that you will look exclusively for things that support that conclusion. So if I say, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm an exceptionally handsome gentleman, I'm going to be looking for things that can conf- to confirm that. I'm going to be uh, looking for people wanting to take their picture with me, looking for people to say, wow, how did you... Uh, How did you get as handsome as you are? These are things I'm going to look for. But if this is something that I say, well, I'm going to try to rule this out. I'm going to look for things that say, no, something else is the case here. So we're saying we want to rule out appendicitis. What are some things that might be present that don't go with appendicitis? If we see any of those things, then we can know that, ah, well, no, see, it's not appendicitis. If we can't rule it out, so you've heard this phrase too, I can't rule out that XYZ, that it's, you know, appendicitis. So if we say, I, th- I think this character's got, uh, you know, he's got appendicitis. Okay, well, is there any any kind of abdominal tenderness here, here, or here? Well, no, not really, just kind of a swelling. All right, then maybe it's something else. If it doesn't hurt, okay, it should hurt. Let's find something else. But looking at, uh, you know, looking at the situation out there and, and being presented with no end of explanations for all the things that are going on, if you say, okay, well, let me just take a look. Is there anything that I could look at that suggests to me that what you're telling me is not actually the case? This actually becomes pretty easy then. And a lot of things that you're being told under the premise of, well, I'm an expert. Now, listen to me. You could say, well, yeah, but I don't have to be any kind of a rocket surgeon to look at this and say, well, if this was actually the truth, this is what I would see, but I don't see it. So another way to phrase this is uh, the term non-contradictory observation. And this was a term that I stole from Ayn Rand, non-contradictory observation. So Ayn Rand 
you've probably heard the name. Uh, she wrote that uh, that giant doorstop of a book that a lot of people have and not a lot of people read, uh, Atlas Shrugged, right? So Ayn Rand, born Elisa Zinovievna Rosenbaum, oh God, in 1905 in St. Petersburg, Russia, and uh, moved to the U.S. in 1926 after college. So yeah, she wrote this this giant book, and a lot of this was inspired by her, obviously, you know, moved from the Soviet Union, uh, by her dislike for communism or that overarching collectivism that uh, the communist system embodies. And she's a big proponent of laissez-faire capitalism, which, which is... The idea, although, you know, there's the saying that all economies are planned economies, but the idea of laissez-faire capitalism, which is to let the market sort itself out. A lot of uh, libertarians refer to ideas kind of put out or kind of uh, brought onto the main stage by, uh, by Ayn Rand, especially uh, the libertarian crowd as she claimed to be opposed to libertarianism but really her uh, her philosophy that she kind of headed up called objectivism it's not uninteresting if you get a chance it's it's essentially the boilerplate for what we now refer to as libertarianism uh if you're if you're not familiar with the ideas of libertarianism it's there's some good ideas and but i mean i'll slug it out with somebody this is a great way to do business the the basic idea of libertarianism is that I want to be left alone. And that's understandable, you know, in a society where hassling people has become a moral standard. Um, but the idea that I want to be left alone, trickle down economics where, you know, rich people will conceptually do well and then that will benefit people all the way down the food chain. The idea of a meritocracy where the most capable will eventually find their way into power or, you know, into success. And then the, um, I guess you might call the crown jewel of libertarianism, the non-aggression principle. And if you're not familiar with this, you, you have heard of it before. But the non-aggression principle is this idea that I should be left to my devices to do things that I want to do so long as, as it doesn't interfere with other people doing things that they want to do. Now, in I would say in theory it works, but even in theory it doesn't really work because, you know... You want to be able to do whatever you want to do, you know, all right, by that logic, you should be able to get up, walk outside in your dirty undiewares and get your newspaper out of the driveway, right? You should be able to. But the guy across the street from you, his idea is that he should be able to get up and have his coffee in the morning without having to look at you in your underwear, so you see, like, out of the gate, we're already at kind of an impasse there. And it kind of centers around this idea of should. And we were just with a client a few weeks ago, and I said, you, you need to stop saying should. Because should sort of presupposes that there's a way that things should be and aren't. Or that there's a way that things are, and that's the way that they will likely stay. And long and short, it just sort of assumes a lot. It makes these assumptions that things are going to go your way, the way that you expect them to go. And, and at the end of the day, they really don't always. Most of the time, they don't go that way unless you cause them to go that way. And sometimes that upsets somebody. Well, let's not go too far down the, the whole objectivism rabbit hole. But the, what I was driving at is the, this concept of non-contradictory observation. All right, To look at a situation and say, 
Does this contradict anything else, what I'm thinking about, the way that I perceive this? So, for instance, if you've got a job and you're getting this rinky-dink paycheck for doing X job, you say, wow, this, this paycheck kind of sucks. And, the, and your employer says, no, no, that's, that's a good amount of pay for the work you're doing. If you look across the street and there's somebody doing the exact same job in the exact same way, in the exact same conditions, but getting paid five times as much, then you could say, well, I observe that what you're telling me is in direct contradiction to what I see with my own lying eyes right there. At the same time, if I look at my rinky-dink paycheck and I say, hey, this isn't really very much for digging ditches, and the boss says, no, that's, that's the going rate for digging ditches, and I look across the street, and again, guy with the same ditch digging qualifications as me, digging the same kind of ditch in the same kind of dirt with the same kind of shovel, making exactly what I'm making, that I could say, oh, yeah, this, this doesn't contradict what I see. You know, what he's telling me is in line with what's going on out there that I can observe, and I can assume that this is the case, right? You know, and it's a bit of a simplification, but you get the idea. But the key principle here lies in you being willing to trust your own judgment, to use your own brain, reach your own conclusions, draw on your own experience, and to tell anybody else to go piss up a rope when you're sure that you're right and they are not. You know, and just like anything, when you're wrong, it's okay. Say you're wrong. But when you're right, it's just as important to say, you know what, you're wrong. Because when you think about it, if somebody says, oh, no, I'm right and you're wrong, why do you think they're saying that they're right? Is it because somebody else told them? Is it because it's what everybody else is saying, it's what their friends are saying? Is it because them saying, no, man, this is, it's this, because that's just less ass pain than saying, oh, hey, wait a minute, I got a few questions. These are things for you to consider. And, and quite honestly, in times like these, to be a heavy hitter is... is you don't got to go run a marathon, man. You can just stand up and say, hey, I have a different opinion. All right? It takes a spine in this day and age. But why does this matter? So why does it matter trying to get to the truth or being willing to look for the truth on your own? Why is that important? You know, you hear a lot of, uh, you know, if you ever go to like a Pier 1 Imports or, or one of these kind of stores and you see all these these signs with like, live, laugh, love, man, just go easy, bro, go with the flow, and you, you know, you talk to people and they're like, man, I don't want to get in any of that. I'm just trying to live my life over here. You know, live and let live, bro. Why does it matter? It matters because at the end of the day, every organism on this planet, on this planet is in a life and death struggle. They're struggling to stay alive. They're struggling to get what they need. They're struggling to provide for their family, for their offspring. And if you're under this impression that everything is good in the hood, that everything is just fine, everything is just cool, you just keep your head down and things are going to go your way, you're going to be in for a very big surprise, my friend, because there are no free passes in this life, no matter what you may hear, what you may see on TV. There are no entitlements. It doesn't even matter what you did last week. It sure as hell doesn't matter what your folks did, what somebody who looks like you did. What happened to somebody who looks like you? You know, you might get by on that for a little while, but the bill will come due. That waitress is going to come around with the check at some point and you're going to have to pay up. And if you don't have the goods, guess what? You're going to get launched out of the club. So if you're going to make any kind of a showing in, in this life, 
You know, you need to know where you stand. And knowing where you stand starts with the truth, no matter how unsavory it might be when you finally find out. And the thing is, it if it didn't matter what the truth is about the things going on around you, you know, if it didn't matter what the truth was, there wouldn't be such an effort to keep it from you. And you don't have to be a rocket surgeon to realize that, yeah, there is an effort. There's an effort to present you with things that are designed to confuse and shut you up. It's not, it's, uh, you know, it's not an accidental misrepresentation of the facts. This phrase, I misspoke. What the hell is that? How many times have you heard somebody say, I misspoke? Well, get your head out of your ass and speak then. Like, re-speak. Say what you meant. What should you have said? Like, who was that? Uh, there was that news guy a few years ago. I can't remember who, I, uh, I can't remember what the guy's name was, but just telling whoppers just top shelf fabrications. I mean, the guy finally got called on it. Like, look, dude, you weren't even in this country saying that you're reporting from deep behind enemy lines under heavy fire. Oh, well, I misspoke. You didn't misspoke. You lied, dude. So this misspoke thing, it's, it's madness. Or, you know, not, not telling you things because, oh, it's for your own good and we don't want to upset you. Dude, upset me. I'd rather be upset and know what's going on than wander around confused about why I'm seeing things that contradict what I'm hearing. But at the end of the day, people who control the truth, they're not doing it by chance. People who know something, they don't keep that from other people just, you know, as a coincidence, like, oh, you do this too? Yeah, I do this too. Yeah, I don't tell anybody anything I know. No, I keep it to myself. It happens because there is value. You've heard information is, is, uh, Information is value, right? There's, there's value in information. Information is a commodity. Well, any information isn't a commodity. Like, hey, if you jump off the third story of a building, you can fly. Well, that's information. I'm telling you something. It doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it useful. I mean, in fact, it's, it's pretty unuseful if you go and try it. Don't go and try it. I'm not saying try that. What I'm saying is just nonsense information is no good. Factual information is extremely valuable. And people don't get to the top. People don't rise to power by sharing things that are extremely valuable. They maintain things that are extremely valuable for their own use. So it's on you, like we talked about earlier, via non-contradictory observation and being willing to rule out things that don't make sense, to call out those things and say, hey, what I'm looking at right here, this doesn't make any sense. Let's hear something else. Give me something else. And eventually... You're going to get to the bottom of it. You're going to get to the facts. So to kind of bring it all back around, I think you can almost sum it up with one of my favorite high school girl sayings that life is what you make it. And I'm sure everybody has heard that at some point or other in their life. And I'll agree with that idea, but not for the reasons that you might think, right? Because that idea of life is what you make it. it's, It's understood as just be okay with where you are. And, you know, if you decide it's okay, then, then life will be okay and everything will be good. Just go with the flow, bro, and decide to be happy. Make the decision to be happy with your life. What it really means, quite literally, is that your life is not what magically materializes. It's not what is willed into existence by you or in accordance with something your parents did or bequeathed to you or gifted unto you by God Almighty. And it's sure as hell not what you just decide your life consists of. It is what you make it. And if you make nothing, 
then guess what? Your life is nothing. And you will go at some point, you will step off this mortal coil and you will have left nothing. But on the plus side, if you're listening to this, it means you've still got at least a few hours in the tank. So there's no time like right now to sit down and think, where am I at and where do I want to go? What is my current situation? And that starts with one thing, and that thing is the truth. So I think that's more than enough for today. If you've got questions, thoughts, comments, or concerns, or you've got something that you'd like to hear me rant about, drop us an email at info at apg.team. And if you'd like to take a look at our website, see what kind of things we've got going on, you can take a look at www.apg.team. And if you like what we're putting out, feel free to like and subscribe or, you know, like or just subscribe or whatever. And uh, get our latest in a timely fashion and share these ideas with your friends because the world needs hitters. So as the sun sets slowly in the east, I will leave you with the words of mid-1800s sociologist Herbert Spencer. Listen up, you're going to like this. Woe to the vanquished when massive blade bore down the scales against ransom weighed. On the field of fought and battle still, woe knows no limits save the victor's will. Smart, capable, and most importantly, I'm free in all the ways that you are not.